Shohei with a drive. Straight away center field. Julio Rodriguez back at the wall. It's gone. On to the berm. Tonight's starting pitcher for the Angels. It's showtime for Shohei Otani. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 126 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. Or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. Another week, another horrible weekend of Yankees baseball, and another horrible weekend without Aaron Judge, who still has no timetable for his return. Emily is down so bad that she literally bought a couple Aaron Judge stickers and affixed them to her <laughs> laptop to fill in the void. On the backside and also on the keyboard side, too. So it's just always there when I open. Oh, yeah, no like, matter. I mean, they're cool stickers. Don't get me wrong. But the timing was not a coincidence. It dawned on me as I'm staring at this laptop like, wait a minute. We're about to talk about Aaron Judge. He's not playing. It's it's really fucking tough without Judge. And. Fortunately, tonight they played the Mariners and I think Rizzo, we were preparing for the episode, so the game was on, but I wasn't, you know, watching it every single pitch like normal, but I think Rizzo had a good night. Uh, Bader is back, so hopefully some of these guys can get things going because this weekend versus the Red Sox was, I don't, not in recent memory, because even in 2021, the season was tough, but like it was right after 2020, so like vibes were different in oh, the totally. world, yeah. in my head, like everything. Where now it's like, okay, we're past that point. We're past like the weird time in baseball. <laughs> right, right. I like had a breakdown on Sunday night. When they lost that game and got swept, I like fucking lost my mind. Like I haven't in, I don't even know how long. You know, you had said, and apparently you were lying. Um, <laughs> you had said last week that you were, or the week before, that you were trying to embody my ethos of not giving too much of a shit. But the Red Sox, man, I mean... I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, I had given up hope by the end of that Braves series. The Braves are my Red Sox, so I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, and that's that's what it is, right? That it was. I I still am trying to live by that. Like I wasn't then like in a horrible mood for the rest of the night, or then even the next day. Like it just let it out, whatever. If it were against any other team, oh, hundred exactly, exactly. And it was at Fenway. Like not that I want to get swept by the Red Sox at home. I mean. They almost did. They at least got a game the previous weekend versus the Red Sox. Right. But at Fenway, for whatever reason, if it's just like, fuck them and fuck this team. <laughs> well, you know, and to be fair, too, I mean, like, I can imagine if I were a Yankees fan, that was that would be brutal to sit through because you got Friday, you know, a 10-run beatdown, 15-5 to 5 or whatever it was, right? <sighs> yes. And then a rain out and then a double header sweep, like – a stomping and then a day off to marinate on it and then a double header sweep. That's that's hard to swallow. That's tough. Yeah, it was it was really it was atrocious and I get it. Right now, like the team is they're struggling. Struggling. People are really desperate to call up even more prospects. It seems like the only logical solution to me. Right, yeah, just stockpile <laughs> prospects in the lineup. They're the Yankees. It has to work, right? Volpe is still struggling. You know, Donaldson is still struggling. Everyone under the sun, with the exception of, like, it seems Billy McKinney and a little bit of Jake Bowers. They're, like, the ones that are, like, scoring runs. So people are calling. They want they want Peraza up in place of Donaldson. 
First of all, the Yankees are not going to DFA Donaldson. It's not going to happen at any point this year. I can almost guarantee that. So stop acting like they're going to DFA him any day and they're going to call Peraza. They're not going to. Now, if you're at all familiar with the Breaking Balls curse, you might be able to win some serious money on Josh Donaldson getting DFA'd later this year now. So just... I've never wanted the curse to come to play more (laughs) than I do right now. Please let me be wrong. So, of course, after the Boston series, a lot of fans were feeling the same way that I did. Calling, bring up the kids, let the kids play. Fuck these kids, okay? (laughs) And this isn't like a personal thing against any of them. My issue with call up the kids, let the kids play in a situation where the Yankees have guys like Judge, Cole, Stanton, who's not hot right now, but they can win something if they have a better lineup around these guys. The Yankees player development system, they've created or created, they've developed two real superstars in the last 20 years. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa and (laughs) Robinson Cano and Aaron Judge. They do not have one superstar in their player development system right now, let alone three. Right. And I know that to a lot of people listening who uh, are more in tune with like what player development is and what they do and what their goals are for every team, they understand that a success to a player development program and to an organization is much different than a player development success to fans. So, like, you know, someone like Volpe, if he is just a league average shortstop, that is a success as far as player development is concerned because of how difficult it is to even just be league average. But when the organization really talks up the prospects, fans think that they're going to be an above average. The next big thing. Right, right. right. They're going to be an above average player. So I think that teams know that and they intentionally still don't really explain what they mean because I get it. There's other things at play. They have to try to keep value. They don't want to you know, show their hand too much, but they know that fans are going to get really psyched for a type of player that they don't actually mean that when they say, oh, Volpe's going to be great. Peraza has potential to be good. They don't mean that he's going to be Aaron Judge or Derek Jeter or even fucking Clay I mean, Torres. They're all very general terms. Like, oh, he's going to be good. Like, okay, who's good? Who else is good? What are you, what are right. you calling good? Exactly. So with that being said, I am so frustrated, more than I've ever been, that the Yankees did not sign Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or Corey Seager when they have a clear need for every single one of those positions on their team. And I know, in a vacuum, well, the Yankees spend a lot of money. Their their payroll is really high. Not in comparison to the year-after-year record-breaking revenue and the increased valuation of these teams. Payroll overall, team payroll, is not that much higher than it was like 15, 20 years ago. But individual player salaries at the top end of the scale are higher. Right. So when you have a few guys, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, yada, 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 they take up a much larger percentage of your overall team payroll than they used to. So, yeah... In a vacuum, without any context, that number that the Yankees spend seems large, especially when it's juxtaposed by losers like the fucking A's at the bottom spending $20 million. Yes, and also, let's not lose sight of or let them off of the hook of the fact that this is a sport without a salary cap. So it's like, okay, you want to have these big contracts, that's fine. Nothing is preventing you from spending more money unless you're self-imposing some kind of limitation on that, which they clearly have been. Right. 
they have been over the table with the luxury tax and also under the table right. by having this gentleman's agreement that they're not going to kick someone like fucking John Fisher out of the league. They're actually about to fucking oh, reward him. That would him. be unsporting. Right, exactly. <laughs> or you know, so we, they are colluding above the table and below the table on salary suppression. <laughs> the problem with that is for the Yankees specifically is they don't tank, which as a fan, that's been great, especially in comparison is, to other fan bases. What is it? The whole like no losing season since 92 or 93 yeah. or something like Literally. that, right? And it's like, that's a point of pride, but is that also the Yankees' downfall in the long term? Especially now because of the salary situation that we were just talking about. So right. their biggest asset and their biggest advantage is the fact that they make a lot of money and they can spend a lot of money on a free agent market. They're not doing that anymore, but because they don't tank, they are not drafting high. Right. So that's why someone like Volpe, even though he's a high prospect in their system, and you know uh, he was a 30th pick overall first rounder, that's a relatively low pick. So he's not expected to be an all-star elite player consistently. He right. may have a year or two, whatever. Obviously, any player can surprise you. Right, but he's not going to be a perennial. Right. Right, yeah. But a lot of the Yankees' competition in the American League and now in their own division, they did tank and they did stockpile high draft picks and they developed them. And now they have a core that is bigger than just one Aaron Judge. Look at the Astros, Bregman, Altuve, Pena, uh, Correa, uh, Alvarez, these guys. And obviously, I'm not saying that I want the Yankees to lose 100 games. I don't. My point is, and now the Orioles just did the same thing. The Rays do it. My point is that the Yankees aren't going to do that, but now they're also not going to spend money on free agents that are developed by teams that tank, and then they let them walk in free agency. They're not going to sign those guys, but they're also not trading prospects that have even a little bit of value because that's like the thing about prospects that aren't super high picks but have some value is that, hey, you may be able to trade them until you call them up and then they play in the major leagues for too long and then they lose a lot of their value. Right. So they're not doing Once those. Once they're a proven commodity. Right. It's like, oh, they suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you want this guy? <laughs> right. So now that they're not doing any of those things, it's very, very frustrating as a fan because, great, I know from a, a an industry standpoint, their player development is good because look what they, they got out of someone like Gio Urshela or Luke Voigt or, you know, Matt Carpenter last year, Billy McKinney this year. And that's really impressive when you're in the industry. Because you have a better perspective in the industry of just how difficult this game is. And you, you got to think in the terms of like, you know, what's the like stupid thing with like a bell curve? It's like, well, you know, if, if your average intelligence, half the people are dumber than you, right? It's the same kind of thing. It's like league average is like, well, there's a lot of below league average guys, too, that are in here, too, which is why league average from the business standpoint. Yeah. OK, great job. That was a success from a fan standpoint. It's like this motherfucker has a 100 weighted runs created plus. So what am I supposed to be excited about? Isaiah Kainafleffa is considered, I'm sure. Liter literally, yeah, great example. A player development success as far as the Texas Rangers are concerned. So when that's... Well, and that's sorry to interrupt no, you. That, that's the even more interesting thing to me is like, it's also viewed as a success if they're working elsewhere. Like if the team was able to manufacture value for them even by way of a trade or like, you know, we got the guy to the point where like we were able to get a different commodity for him. That's also a success, which again, from the fan standpoint, is like, he doesn't even, was that from a Mean Girls? She doesn't even go here. He doesn't even go yeah, here. Yes. Like, he doesn't even play here anymore. Like, who fucking, you know, how is this helping me? But it is a credit to, on a technical sense, that team's player development department. Right. As a fan, 
who can only sit on my couch and watch all of this play out on a major league field. Right. As a fan, we're right back to uh, fuck these kids. Yes, and fuck these, <laughs> and fuck this piecemeal. Like, yeah, oh, I know G. Urshela, they like become mascots, these kind of guys, right? That they come in, right. they are like somebody that's a flash in the pan, and yay, good job fucking coaching department, you know, hitting coach or whatever. Thanks for the memories. Yeah. Right. But the problem seems to be that there's too much you're hoping for in terms of these type of players getting hot and staying hot at the right time versus elite pitching that... I don't think I would have to worry about as much if it were a lineup that were a bit longer and had better right. elite players, established major league talent, filling some of those spots. Right, where, like, sure, Corey Seager can get shut down in the playoffs. Bryce Harper, Manny Chato can get shut down in the playoffs by good pitching. But I don't have to hope that they're hot going into it uh, because right. they can still fucking put the ball into the seats at any point in time where... Yeah, I guess Oswaldo Cabrera can do that too, but let's not pretend like they're the same type of player. There's a reason that these guys make a shitload of right. money and these guys are churned and burned after three years and then they're fucking DFA'd and then they play in the fucking Mexican the league. The fact that fans don't want to admit is like these guys are not going to turn into who you think they are. Like you, they put these expectations on everybody. And listen, I'll not for nothing, Yankees fans especially, because, listen, I think one issue that Yankees fans have, one issue, where do I start? No, I'm, I'm, like, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Thank you, John, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> I'm only half kidding. Uh, so one issue that the Yankees have, I think, is very justly, they celebrate their history, you know, 100 plus years, all these championships, all these great players. I think it's really easy as a Yankees fan to kind of make the mistake and just like condense all of that in your head. Like, you know, like, oh, like, like Mickey Mantle was like on the 96 team or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, like, yeah, sure. Do the Yankees have a history of homegrown talent? Like, yeah, okay. A lot of them were from a long time ago. And then, like you said, we zoom in on the, on the present and it's Cano, it's Judge. That's really it. Even Derek Jeter, that's old now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's kind of easy to conflate like, oh, what's well, the Yankees? It always works out for the Yankees. It's like that's confirmation bias, man. Like that's not a reliable way to look at the future. And the future is not super bright. And I, I should know about not bright futures as a Mets <laughs> fan. Mets so, fan. You know. <laughs> and even the core four, there was only one position player. Yeah, the catcher is a position player, but it was a, a position player and then two pitchers and a fucking catcher. It's not like it was, you know, a stud corner outfielder or another. they had right, to right. bring in talent. Like the greatest infield of all time. Right. Yeah, no. Right. And sure, they had their, their seasons with Scott Brocious and, you know, and uh, what's his face? Fucking Shelly Long. Uh, Shelly Long, I just almost said the actress. <laughs> Shelly Duncan. <laughs> you know, where they had their guys that they brought in that they were able to get yeah, some yeah. flashes of brilliance out of that played their role in their way to a championship. But just like the teams like the Astros or whatever, they they only needed one or two of those guys as opposed to having half the lineup filled with guys like that because they're not signing free agents. They are, I think, intentionally almost duping fans into thinking that there's a ton of elite talent that they're calling up and people are expecting these guys to be something. I'm not even saying that I expect Volpe to be somebody. I don't. I didn't even when they called him up. So him being not good is, it sucks, but I'm not like, hey, what the hell? This I feel tricked. Well, and I think that's kind of the flip side of, you know, the Yankees leaning into this, you know, this history of success is like, listen, teams are ready to swallow like the fan reaction of, okay, we're going to tank. This is going to be rough for a few years, but we're creating a light at the end of the tunnel. 
the Yankee. I mean, can you imagine the reaction of like even just Yankees Twitter, let alone Yankees fans at large, if the Yankees had a few sub five hundred seasons? No. Even with the sense of like, hey guys, this is our only, you know, this is how it's going to happen. This is this is our only hope. Yada yada. The fans would have no patience or tolerance for it, and I don't think the Yankees want to deal with that loss of revenue. They don't want to deal with that bad press. They don't want to deal with some kind of stretch like that. You know, quote unquote, sullying their history, and they may be their own worst enemies in that regard. Yeah, and they shouldn't. They absolutely they the team. You should that- just fucking suck it up and do it and be like, hey, you know, we know ball. You don't fuck you. We'll see you in a few years with these good players, but they won't do it. But they, my point is that they don't even have to because they have enough money to get free agents that have already been developed and have been proven at a major league level. So they don't. Can have- I introduce you to the modern day Steinbrenner family, though? Because I know, <laughs> I know, you fucking dad grads. Don't yeah, be sorry about that. They have the money, shit. sure. But what was that from? Uh, for I'm doing another Ferris Bueller. Dave, we know we got the money. We know we got the money. We just have to spend it. That's all. You bonehead. We have the money. We have. The, you just gotta spend it. You bonehead exactly so that's basically where i'm at and i don't have an answer because it's not my fucking decision right and i just think that the yankees are now in this weird yankee purgatory where purgatory is the word where we're just gonna have we are just gonna have willie calhouns and and volpes and all these fucking replacements year after year after year hoping that one of them is the fucking it's like pulling a slot machine and hoping for that jackpot because judge cannot do it alone if for no other reason then Players get hurt. This is a sport where a fucking well, turf toe can have you out for weeks because you right. fucking turn on your back foot and that's where you generate your power. And that's on top of all that. That's kind of the really gross thing is like, listen, you know, all due respect to Garrett Cole. Fuck Garrett Cole. He's not a Yankee player development success. Wasting Aaron Judge's prime like this is unforgivable. That's fucking insane. Right. You know, what good is Even the, to run- the point with like, listen, like, you know, yeah, he's he's a homegrown Yankee, Yankee pride, all that shit like just finds himself like wishing that he had signed that contract, you know, with the Giants or something like that. Like, you know, maybe someone who's going to spend or, you know what I mean? That's why, like, I, I'm devastated by it because Judge is our guy. The idea that it's like, oh, you know, to have some patience with them, call up the kids. No, this is not their time. I'm sorry. I don't care about Volpe going from fucking 20% below league average to league average and then fucking right. patting him on the back or Peraza or Cabrera. This is Aaron Judge's time. Like, he's given us some... He's been the only real bright spots in the teams that actually, like, did something in the postseason in the last few years, which is just get more games off the Astros before they eventually got eliminated. (laughs) (laughs) He's been at the center of them. Like, I don't care about, like, oh, he won one for 26 in the postseason. The entire team hasn't been doing dick. So the idea that... It wouldn't be, maybe he wouldn't press as much in October when he knows, if he didn't think that he had to fucking pick up Willie Calhoun, uh, Billy McKinney, Matt Carpenter, and the list goes on of guys that we just hope that we caught lightning in a bottle and we pat the fucking player development on the back, which is weird that a lot of the people who do that do that because I get people are in the industry kind of, but like... That is all about salary suppression. Those victories are victories for the owners and for their fucking bottom line. Not alone salary suppression, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that there's perhaps a level of arrogance internally, you know, as far as like that player development where it's like not recognizing what a unique generational talent Aaron Judge is. It's like, well, you'll, you know, get another one coming down the pipe if it doesn't work out this time. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you, you even, even to have a Cano and a Judge in this kind of proximity that's pretty good not every team has something like that right so there's just a level of like yeah it's gonna happen again you sure all right it's like if the fucking astros only had jordan alvarez and then filled in the lineup around him like it wouldn't be they would not be as good and they wouldn't be as good in the postseason but 
we are filling in holes in positions like corner, you know, third base, corner outfield, uh, where we should have some real prolific bats, and they just don't. So it's just, I'm just, I've just fucking had it. I'm very frustrated. Thankfully, they're still in it somehow. They're still fucking holding on to a wild card spot at this point. Well, honestly, the Astros are not playing well. <laughs> like, that's what's so funny about all of this from my perspective with how the Mets are doing is like, after all this bitching, it's like you guys are still seven games over 500 yeah, and very much in the playoff hunt. I know. And like, I, I'm so fucking relieved that the Astros are also like, they have the same record as us. They've been performing up and down just the same way as the Yankees. Yeah. I'm so relieved at that because I would be even more enraged if I had to see fucking Astro fans gloating oh, about them. Running away really, with it. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that they're not only not in first place, they're in third place in their division right now behind the Angels and behind the Rangers who are still maintaining first place. I was going to say, well, I, I know for a fact that you enjoyed watching all those Astro fans on uh, Suicide Watch after that 11 to 1 drubbing <laughs> by the Mets last night. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, fucking cheering. <laughs> Misery loves company. What can I say? Yeah, Misery loves the Mets too. Um, so the theme of this week with the Mets, and I, I'm going to keep this short, man, because you know what? It, it doesn't really feel that different. A lot of stuff happened, like moves were made and shit, but nothing changed. It feels right. exactly like last week. You know, I mean, just spark notes. Vientos finally got sent down. I was complaining about him, like, where his at-bats going to come from? Well, the answer to that is apparently AAA. Yeah, Syracuse. And of course, the company line is, well, you know, he's not getting at-bats. It's like... You're not giving him at bats. Of course, he's not getting at bats. So he's down. We're all trying to find the guy who's responsible We're all for this. Trying, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's not unreasonable to think like, so is this at this point, are they just admitting that he's going to be trade bait? Right. Get him some major league experience. Now he's able to play in a playoff team in the playoffs. If that's what it comes down to, like, are they already bracing themselves? Inquiring minds want to know. The answer is yes, they probably are. Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking too. Like they have it on the major league, on the twenty-six man roster, just right. I guess to accumulate the service time. So if he gets traded, then he can be on a fucking playoff roster. Right, and almost as if to punctuate the whole fucking thing with you know the whole thing was like oh Vientos isn't playing. Who was playing a lot? Daniel Vogelback is back from his. Well, they're calling it a hiatus. I guess you just need he needs to get his shit together for a week himself. for a week, and they didn't just didn't play him and just let him sit on the bench and try and figure it out. The early returns have been okay. You know, he drove in some runs last night, but like do it more than one. Dan, do game. It, Daniel Vogelback is not the solution to this team's ills, even when he's doing well. You know, he's he's not going to put you over the top like that. You know, Lindor has been a little bit better since his daughter was born, but he can't have a daughter born every month, so that's not really going <laughs> to. I feel like that's not super it's just sustainable. Physically impossible for his wife. I mean, little bright spot. Pete's back, which is nice. He got hit in the hand against the Braves. Had a bone bruise. He was out. He was supposed to be out a month, and he came back after ten days. Yes, yeah, he's a gamer. I dig that. Hopefully, um, he's actually fucking healed, and he's not like I got. I'm gonna get back in there. I hope so. I mean, he has a big old. Not it's not even a brace. It's like a shield on mm. on the side of his hand that like juts out. So they're they're taking precautions, but. Good to have him back, but you know, I mean, Fam's been good too, though. Fam has been great. He has been the one where it's like, oh, you'll, he, he can stick around, play him. Fam is fine. But yeah, man, again, you know, I mean, these little offensive moves and stuff, sure. But the, the bottom line is the pitching is shit. The pitching is just bad. Right. You know, I mean, this team will give you the occasional game like last night. Scherzer goes, what was it? Eight innings. He gave up a run, struck out. He looked like vintage Scherzer last night. The slider was working. Okay, great. Most of the time, the slider has not been working, and it's just been a fucking meatball and a home run machine. You know what I'm saying? So Scherzer, even then, it's like, okay, do it again. Just like Vogelbach. Right. You know, okay, do it again. Verlander, 
he was good last time, but now it's like, okay, if anything, listen, I give Scherzer credit. They were saying the last time that he pitched against the Astros in Houston was when he won the 2019 World Series. <laughs> maybe he channeled some of that. Okay, great. Verlander's up tonight. You're thinking like, what, maybe he'll channel playing against his former team that he just left last year? No, he fucking gives up four runs in seven innings. And listen, we're talk you know, we were talking about league average before. For a league average pitcher, that's just shy of a quality start. That's not terrible. You know, Cookie Carrasco goes seven and gives up four. I'll take that all day. Justin Verlander, and you know we don't lean too heavily into like, oh, you know, it makes too much money. It's not our money. Okay, fine. That's not what you're paying Justin Verlander for. Do you give no. up four runs in seven innings? No. You're just not. Versus like a, a pretty down bad Astros lineup too. And that's no the Alvarez. Other thing. Right. And Bregman has not been hitting well. Like all these guys have not really been pulling their weight. Exactly. And that was, was what I kind of interrupted myself on before. What's frustrating about this Mets team is they will give you a game like last night where against the reigning World Series champions, they score 11 runs, they beat the snot out of them, Scherzer looks like Scherzer, and for a night, everything looks like, oh, okay, well, if they build on this, then and they just never fucking build on it. It, it, it just doesn't happen. You know, I mean, and then with the, you know, Drew Smith is out because of the sticky stuff shit, so, you know, we're bringing up Josh Walker and who knows who else, and it's just... You know, do we go back to blaming Buck? Do we go back to like, well, what's Buck supposed to do? Like, I, I don't know, man. It's it's just it's so frustrating, and it's it's to the point where listen, you lose a series to the Cardinals. Listen, we maybe we yeah. didn't get swept. Okay? I know you guys got swept by the Red Sox. The fucking Cardinals this year are a dire situation, yeah, and we couldn't awful. even win a series against the Cardinals. At it's, home, right? At home against the Cardinals. It's there's just there's no sense of hope. We're just wandering from lost series to lost series. And I just I I continue to just I can't be fully invested. You know, you talk about how mad you were getting against the Yankees, the Red Sox. I if I was gonna be a douche, I'd be like, Well, I, I've risen above that, you know. But I'm just like I it doesn't even feel like that. It doesn't even feel like a noble thing. It just feels like a self preservation thing. You know, it's like, how can I allow myself to be like this invested in this? Right. We're at the point now where like the answer is, well, we'll see what happens. And that is just so fucking sad and pathetic for the biggest payroll in baseball history. And I feel like this is another side of the same coin and what we were talking about with the Yankees and player development, et cetera, is that what's happening with the Mets and even like when trying to look at what they could potentially do to make the team better, it goes to show that player development and drafting and things like that and scouting are important even if you have all the money because the thing with having all the money is that the way baseball is and and the team control and how long some players are under team control because the Mets need the sort of player development that the Yankees have where they can get well, you know they can get water out of a stone and also even some decent draft picks that they can develop where they were mis run and mismanaged for years and that rears its ugly head where there's only so many free agents that Steve Cohen can buy off the market and who can they trade for, you know, where, who do they trade for what they don't really have. They need the prospects right, that they like, called up and have value. Or what are you going to do? Fucking eat Scherzer and Verlander's contracts and, and try and get like, it, and replace them with who? Oh, and then that's the thing is like the only other situation is just blowing it up. And it's like, but then what, then, then what, you know? Like, right. And they're in a position where they can't really tank either. It's no, like, are, is they, Steve Cohen going to come in here with his $14 billion and then have 300 lost seasons in a row? I don't think so. I don't know. And I just want I was actually talking to DJ Benjamin about this before. Like, I'm, I'm just wondering, is it going to be something big around the trade deadline? Like, are they going to keep like fighting for or is it just going to be let the season play out and Cohen just takes a fucking hammer to the coaching staff and buck and shit in the offseason? Maybe gets rid of Epler. I, I don't know. I don't know at this point. Yeah, I feel like Cohen really needs to surround. Him. I think that he 
I don't know who the person is who's available. Like, I think that the problem is that Cohen is a, obviously a super fan. He fucking spent billions yeah. of dollars to buy a baseball team that he loves. But that doesn't make you a baseball person in terms of knowing what goes on. There's a huge iron curtain between the, f- right. the fans, even wealthy, privileged fans, and the organizations and their very deep departments and that go and, and they do a million different things to finally result in the roster that we see on TV. Right. So, like, I think that he needs to surround himself with better, obviously with better people to do that. That yes. he obviously, he needs to get, I think he should get a better GM. He needs someone that is his right-hand man that can build a better organization around him because it's more than just, hey, go fucking sign right. this free agent. Go fucking talk to Scherzer's agent. Like, all right, but now what about scouting players and drafting players that right. you can fucking the, trade and build up your team? The one glimmer develop. of hope is we keep hearing talk that um, David Stern, Stern's Stern, I forget which one. The, the guy from the Brewers, Ugh. apparently he's from New York City. You know, they're, they're looking at him for president of baseball ops. Apparently he wants the job. So maybe that's a glimmer of hope, but I'm so fucking sick of glimmers of hope. I know. You know what I mean? Like for this... Again, not to harp on the money, but for this much fucking money to be to be fixated on glimmers of hope is so fucking sad. Just to bring back around what you said, just two quick things that stuck out to me it was like, for one thing, that is a really tough situation that we don't really fully know the depths of. Is like, you know, he's finally putting people in the Mets Hall of Fame, and you know, Gary and, and Howie and all that shit. And like, there's a lot of there's some feel good stuff outside of the team right now, right? Because of Cohen, and that's undoubtedly great. You know, Mets celebrating their history, all that, but. Again, you know, the mess that he inherited, you know, the mismanaged mess from the Wilpon years, it's like, well, there is only so much he can do, too, you know? So exactly. that, that's the other shitty part of it. However much money you spend, there's only so much you can do. And just to, the, the final point is just like talking about the, what drives me nuts is the, it's such a stark comparison between the two teams' player development because I look no further than Billy McKinney drives me up a fucking wall. We had him. It was the same fucking player. It was only a year or two ago. And whatever the Yankees see or you know knew they had to do with him, our people apparently couldn't. So that is just such an obvious like. Listen, you know I'm not one to like oh you know former Met goes to the Yankees like okay whatever. A guy who had a cup of coffee and didn't do shit and then figures it out with the Yankees because the Yankees developed him correctly. That 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 says everything to me right there. It's like clearly there's something subpar going on you know internally in the Mets organization and it's just. What good is the richest owner in baseball if that's still the case? What's the fucking difference, you know? And I think that there's a lot to be said that people, you know, because we can only criticize the 26-man roster and then the starting nine and the pitching staff. Like, that's what we see as fans. Whereas there's a lot. So I know people, you know, Brian Cashman has a one World Series to get on him. But there's a lot to be said for, like, organizational consistency where Brian Cashman is responsible for building – Every facet of this organization in terms of their scouting, their uh, minor league coaches, everything for the last almost 30 years. Whereas when the Mets have, they just changed ownership. They've had different GMs. They've had different managers, all these different things where so different people have been building different aspects of this organization. So there may not be, okay, this is what our organization will Let's not forget that one of those people was Brody Van Wagenen. So it's it's pretty dire at some point. Exactly. So it's like (laughs) when you don't have a clear goal and you don't know who to get around you and who to help create a vision for the team and the future, 
it makes it very hard to hire all the right people because there's a lot of people that have to be hired right. and have to be in on what the team and organization wants and what its goals are and then find that and cultivate it to be able to make moves, whether promoting people to your team, trading them in order to get players that you can have on your team to be successful. So I know people crush Brian Cashman for that, but this is a great perspective talking to a Mets fan who is seemingly there because on the surface – from a fan side, it seems like, well, now we have all this money. Why can't they just do that? Well, because the things that I'm complaining about are actually really important and I take for granted from the Yankees because it's something that takes years right. necessarily to build. And that's why sitting here talking about this in this moment, I'm not surprised that within like a year or two of Steve Cohen purchasing the Mets that they expanded the postseason. Now it really makes sense to me. And same thing with the Padres suddenly spending a lot of money that I feel like there's conversations where these owners are saying, okay, well, it's not, if I'm Steve Cohen and I'm getting the rundown on the business and how to really make something happen and be consistent, what's my incentive really to, if I want to win, and that's what I'm telling the fans, what's my incentive to purchase this team if I can't have real sustained success without totally redoing this entire fucking organization from the top down that could take a decade to get to the place where my money can fill holes where my player development didn't. So like, right. Yeah. They have to be like, okay, well let's open up the field a little bit. So teams like the Mets, the Padres, and now thank God the Yankees (laughs) somehow (laughs) are able to get in there because what would be the incentive for someone who can fucking wants to actually win with the team to buy it? I'll tell you, man, Yankees and Mets being bad, it's it's bad for us. It's so good for the pod, though. I know it is. And I love that it's like Yankees and Mets are so bad. Yankees are like, whatever, eight games over 500. Like, if you were a team, if you were a fan of a team. I would love to be that bad right now. I want to apologize to any fans of any teams that are listening that are perennial losers. Because hearing this podcast and hearing us complain about this shit on a weekly basis probably makes you want to punch us in the face. But that's good sports radio, folks. You should want to punch I was gonna say, us in the face. If you haven't sometimes. turned this off yet, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> and that was um, this whole conversation is a great segue. Hal Steinbrenner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was interviewed the other day, and I'm not gonna fucking just. I'm not gonna reread his quotes. He was basically asked about the situation in Oakland, and he responded in a surprising way by kind of low key admonishing it and saying that it's not good for the league, and, and it was that sort of vibe. Which at first my reaction was, all right, good for you, Hal. Like you never expect these guys to to have an opinion, right? And to talk bad <laughs> about one of the guys in that club, right? But then I remembered how pissed off I am about this season. <laughs> as it a all whole. came crashing back down, and like it's phony as fuck. This isn't like uh, uh, this huge where it's just like an overall commentary on society. And it's like, oh, he's right about that. But what is he supposed to do as one person? <laughs> Hal Steinbrenner waxes philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> like the owners and Hal acting like as if there's nothing that they can do about it. Like all he can do is throw shade and, and like be sort of honest with the press when asked about it. Dave Cavill, these guys, well, he's the president of the A's. But John Fisher, these fucking owners, Bob Nutting of the Pirates, they are allowed and encouraged to fucking run their teams this way. John Fisher is literally about to be rewarded for it by the owners. Because guess what? People made fun of the reverse boycott. Like, oh, yeah, that'll show them, you know, give them more money. But the reason that they did it is because the owners in the league, they have the final say on whether they allow a team to move. The owner can't just move if the city agrees. The owners and the fucking commissioner's office have to agree on it. So the point was to show 
show the MLB world and especially to show those guys and make that public. So now all of the fans have seen that, right. that there are real fans in Oakland that will show out for a team and they will show up to a stadium if there's an owner that cares. So Hal acting like, oh, yeah, it's not good look for the league. You are the league, bro. Right, yeah. <laughs> so is he. Fucking do something about it. But you're not going to. So also, spare me the lip service. I also, I know nobody cares at all, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I, I do need to issue a brief mea culpa because last week we were watching the A's game and we were commentating on it in like the first or second inning. And I was like, oh, reverse boycott. Well, it looks like a pretty empty stadium to me. It did fill out. They yes. packed the place out. It's funny because like it was a success, but was it? Because nothing's changing. Right. It was a success in that they they sent they, a message, I guess, but right. that message isn't going to accomplish anything. I guess it never was. That wasn't really the point. You know, it was just kind of like a "fuck you, we're here and you're losing us." You know, right? It, it was it, we're it, not going to let the narrative that gets spun by the media and fans that it's the city and the fans' fault because they're not showing up to the stadium. Right. Well, because people have been excusing Fisher. Like, well, you know, you, if, if Ace fans just showed up, why the fuck should they? Right, yeah. What incentive do they possibly right. have? So they had to be like, hey, we're here. We exist. We want to be here, but this team fucking and blows. what's just like salt in the wound is like, listen, the whole point of the reverse boycott, as we just said, was to send a message. It was never going to tangibly change anything. And fucking Rob Manfred cannot help himself but still just belittle it. Like, I, I know it's like a cliche thing to ask, like, you know, does commissioner of this sport like this sport? Does Rob Manfred like baseball at all? Like, no. Seriously. It, no, these guys it, it's don't really, like baseball. It's, re it's really like he, like, hates, like, he just cheats it with such disdain. It's no. insane. None of them like baseball. They like the money they that like baseball money. has made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like with anything, like, super rich people, billionaires, like, they don't like Republicans. They don't like Democrats. They like whoever's going to keep making them money. Correct. And it's the same thing with the businesses that they own. Uh, I don't think the Walton family loves Walmart. I think that they like the money. I was going to say. That it, it creates they love the houses that Walmart has bought them. Exactly. So, like, Manfred, no, he doesn't give a shit about baseball. I mean, he's been, like, the man, and, and not in a good way. I mean, like... In the bad way of being, like the 70s way of being the man. First, he was fucking Seelig's, he was his hound dog that would investigate the league and all that shit. Now he's the commissioner. So, like, no, he doesn't. He, he likes making money for the owners. And he's done a pretty good job of doing that. But that's because this fucking league makes money for itself. Even with the A's, if they are to move to Vegas, I have very strong opinions about it. But what I love to travel to Vegas and watch the Yankees play the A's in Las Vegas. Hell yeah, I would really love that because I love Vegas. Well, that's that's the funny thing we were saying. It's like, listen, all of this is terrible for the league, like going to Vegas, yada, yada. But if they go to Vegas, we got to go to fucking Vegas. <laughs> we're going, <I> mean. right? <laughs> <laughs> Just the whole conversation about like the the Waltons and like the loving Walmart on that level. It reminded me of, I read recently, it was a, a Michael Caine quote, the actor. And uh, they're asking Michael Caine like, it seemed almost like kind of like tongue in cheek from the interviewer. So it's like, so uh, you were in, it was like Jaws three or Jaws four, <laughs> like one of, you know, one of the really bad sequels. And it was like, so what do you know? What, what's, what's your take on having been in Jaws three or four, whatever it was. And he goes, well, I never saw it. I heard it wasn't good, but uh, I love the house that it bought me. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. You know, one of the questions basically, cause you know, of course all of these comments are baked into this article and I lost the uh, tweet thread that had just all the comments laid out. But the one in particular <laughs> that got everyone's attention for real was he was asked, uh, 
if he, you know, read the coverage or, or saw the reverse boycott. And he said, I did. I saw. And the reporter asked, what was your impression of that? He said, it was great. It's great to see what is this year almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. What a fucking oh, asshole. That is just so dripping with condescension. Ugh. And that really says it all right there. That's to the A's fans. I know what you were trying to do. We don't care. And there's nothing that you can do about it. And even if the rest of the fan base and customer base sees that, there's nothing that they're going to do about it because they're going to keep showing up. Right. And that that's what's so... I won't even say... I was going to say insane, but it's not insane. It's just fucking their, their M.O. What Manfred could have said was nothing. You know what I mean? Or just like the you know generic mail it in, like, oh, you know, it's great to see the fans. Don't even address it. But he's, he has to give that fucking little dog whistle to the owners, and you know, where all the money is. It's like, fuck those fans. Vegas is happening. Don't worry, guys. We got... Like, it's so... Like... Just fucking like jerk each other off on the side. Like don't 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 give me in the middle of this bullshit. You know what I mean? And knowing all the owners feel that way too. That's why it makes even Hal Steinbrenner's comments even worse. Oh it's yeah, like, just, see, Manfred's the just, guy. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say yeah. anything. Robbie, yeah. Robbie, you go talk to the press and be the bad guy. <laughs> right? I'm gonna talk yeah, and Robbie. act like I care. <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> and he's like, yes, sir, and goes and does it. <laughs> Robbie. That's good. Now we're at the point in the season, I'm switching gears here, folks. We're at the point in the season where I feel like we can acknowledge certain season performances without it seeming like tongue in cheek. Like, oh, wow. talked about the Mets. I'm not sure where you're <laughs> no, this is going good stuff. with this. But <laughs> Luis Arise, the second baseman for the Marlins. Oh, yeah, yeah. We are about 70 games, give or take, into the season. He's hitting 400 his batting average. And I know, you know, batting average um, is not nearly as important as it used to be. But there are certain rate stats that... I was say, but when you're doing what he's doing, right. that means something. Yes. The, the rate stats are the traditional stats and the counting stats, like, you know, home runs, RBI. Yeah, the compiling stats, right. There's always a line where it's impressive, even in a game where we have other ways to look at performance. Right. 400 batting average is impressive. No matter what, no, yeah. No matter what. He's got a 450 on base percentage, which is... Crazy impressive. Yeah. The highest in the entire league by almost 50 points. Right. His walk percentage is only like 7.7%. So he's not walking that much. He's literally getting on base almost half of the time because of putting the ball in play. And, and just he's like the best singles hitter that I've seen in I don't even know how long. He's got, and he's got a fucking, his slug is just under 500. It's at 490. So he has an OPS right now of 940. Well, this was before tonight's game, but that's what it was going Which, tonight. That's so interesting to me because it shows like how much compiling singles can affect your slug. Cause he is, I think he has as many strikeouts as he has doubles. It's yes. Like 15 or 16 of each, something like that. At this point in time, he's right up there with Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks rookie. Yep. And, Ronald Acuna Jr. in terms of their weighted runs created plus, their OPS plus, their WOBA, all these stats that aren't just rate stats, that are advanced stats. Right. He's getting outpaced in only FWAR by almost by like 1.2, which is mm. a pretty good amount. Yeah, it's significant. Which makes sense because he's not hitting for power the way that they are. So like where they have points often on base and 
average, they make up four in their power, which obviously, and they walk a little bit more, so they're more well-rounded players than he is, which to me tells me that will Arise be able to maintain this over 162 games? I mean, we're not even 50% of the way through the season. We still have 90 games to go. Right. I don't think Probably so. Probably not. Right. Yeah. But at this point in time, this is when conversations, because listen, all-star game voting has started. Uh, we are only like two All-star weeks. game voting's almost over, yeah. let alone started. Oh, yeah, you're right, because we're like two weeks away from the all-star game. Oh, the Mets are begging for votes. They're giving away signed bats and shit. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. And it's like, all right, maybe, Pete. I don't know what else you want from you guys. <laughs> maybe, Pete. You write that <laughs> in. Right, maybe, yeah, Pete. Maybe, Pete. <laughs> if this is the same time, because like these... 70 or so games is a, is a decent sample size for the Correct. season. So it's where we also start talking about, you know, MVP conversation starts to kick up around this time. Obviously, Arrays is in that conversation. How could he not be? Right. He's the, only, the last player to ever hit 400 in Major League Baseball in a full season, granted, was fucking Ted Williams. He's been dead for 21 years. And, I mean, let's not forget who votes on these things. They love the 400 batting average. Thank you. You know, like I was having a conversation with Braves fans who like were mad that Arrays oh, is in we the conversation. Make fun of Braves fans, yes, yes, we yes have to. let's go. They were mad that he's in this conversation. And listen, I get it. Acuna, he came out of the gate very hot. Sure, yeah, insane, and he's been great. Not like he really fell off that much, but he's not having a 2022 Aaron Judge season or. Obviously, a Shohei Otani season. No. So, like, the idea that he's running away with the MVP in June, in June, is just not even a thing. Even Aaron Judge didn't run away with the MVP in June, and he was playing insane. Right. So, <laughs> Braves fans are like seemingly mad about this, and we're doing everything they that, could. That we dare have a conversation about it, right? Yeah. That Please. to the point where they were trying to basically dismiss, be dismissive, and uh, downplay what a raise is doing like as if 400 batting average is bad or a 450 on base percentage is bad. Someone literally said, well, you know, he's just getting that from singles. You know, he doesn't walk that much. And I said, no, 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 no. We cannot constantly tell people that a walk is as good as a base hit. And now that someone has as enough base hits to make up for their lack of walks, say that, no, that's actually not a good thing and it's not good and it shouldn't be talked about. Right, it, like, either, it either is or it isn't. Can't right. have it both ways. Right. Is it sustainable? Probably not. But at this point in time, this is what the fucking production is for all of these guys and he's right in that conversation. And unfortunately, and I wanted it to be last year and I hope and it ended up being that way after 162 games, right. the MVP award isn't just who has the highest war. And even if maybe it should be, and I'm not here to I'm not here to argue if, whether it should or shouldn't, it's not. And someone like Arrays is going to get a lot of conversation. If this is fucking the end of September and he's still in the same situation, <laughs> Braves fans better prepare to be very upset. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because Corbin Carroll, they'll say, you know, we can give him the Rookie of the Year. So we will he'll, be able he'll to- get his accolade. Right. Right. And Arrays, you hit you hit 400 for the first time. In Major League Baseball, that someone's done in fucking 80 Ted years. Ted Williams, right. Here you go, pal. And it's going to incense Braves fans. And after this fucking week where they were acting like babies about this, about a conversation in June, they deserve it. They do. And you know what? Like, one thing that, listen, Braves fans make it hard to even like players that I might otherwise like. You know what I mean? Like, I'm somebody who, like, listen... <laughs> Fuck Chase Utley now and forever, right? right there's yes, certain, of course. you know, certain rivals. Never, okay, fine. But there's other situations where it's like, I don't hate Bryce Harper. 
he's such a good player. He's such a good dude. Like, I, you know, even being on the Nationals, the Phillies, I enjoyed him. Scherzer, you know, when he was on the Nationals, it's like, oh, I hate facing him, but he's Max Scherzer. You love watching him. Braves fans are just so fucking insufferable. A guy like Acuna, that me as a baseball fan, I should be able to love this guy. It's like they, they they act like he's the second coming, and I just I can't get into it. You know what I mean? Like it's just like he becomes distasteful because of the fan base. That's how annoying they are. Versus like any other team in the NL East. Even I think back to the Braves. Like I should like a Spencer Strider. You know what right. I mean? I should like uh, an Eddie Rosario. You know that kind of thing. But it's just, but just no. I I can't. I can't do it. Well, because only the Braves are allowed to have these really really good players, and anyone else they have to either ridiculously dismiss the good things that they're doing right or like totally overplay the things that their players are doing like i saw them shit talking tatis had a great play in right field he's he's he on the run fielded the ball and threw a fucking bullet to home plate and it was a great play by the catcher at home to pick the ball and they got the runner at home and a gaggle of Braves fans were like uh, that was a good throw, but like he was basically like in deep second base. First of all, deep second base is not 250 feet from home plate. That's the fucking outfield. Right. <laughs> and someone's like, I'd rather have the throw that Acuna did the other day. Acuna has one of the strongest arms in the league, and he makes great assists because he fucking sucks in the outfield and misplays balls constantly. Because he has to. Right, right exactly. Jake, it's like Jake Bowers in the Yankees has made some amazing catches in left field, and it's because he gets himself turned around with the twisties and has the, the worst route to the ball you've ever seen and is somehow able to salvage a play. Listen, fuck the Braves. Fuck Acuna Jr. by extension. <laughs> Um, and because you gave you gave too perfect of a segue. Also, I hope Arias wins the MVP. Um, <laughs> you gave too much of a perfect segue to not jump on this. Speaking of totally overplaying a player's contribution to their team, David Freeze was elected by the Cardinals faithful into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, and he declined the honor. <laughs> What a terrible season what? for Cardinals fans. Like, what? Dude. Okay. First of all, the Cardinals, as we said, I mean, hey, yeah, okay. They just beat the Mets. Sure. The Cardinals are bad this year. Like, confusingly bad. Insanely, Insanely bad. bad, right? The one potential bright spot this dude could have given, which is really all he did if you think about it. He had that one bright spot in the World Series. So he had the opportunity to give them a second bright spot in his career, and he declined it. Like, he's not worthy. Like, the Cardinals, are, like, it's 1950-something. The Cardinals are this, like, mythical, like, listen, I'm not trying to come down. Quinn, I'm going to put uh, some uh, some earmuffs on for a second. This fucking fan base, man. I have no patience for it. Listen, it's 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 like it's like Braves light, first of all, okay? And I just I can't get into the whole like, oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, really? Well then the fans said you are. The fans want to honor you. You helped them win a World Series. Like, what do you mean you're not worthy? It's for the fans. All it's this such self important like performative humility. Like fucking spare me, man. And it really makes it funny that I was not that psyched, and I was criticizing Paul O'Neill's like number retirement, uh, his Monument Park. He did win four World Series with the Yankees right, yeah. and played <laughs> right field for four World Series winning teams. And I was like, is he really Monument Park material? Like, should he like, have his number retired? What happened to David Freeze? Did he have like like a Dickensian like Christmas Carol encounter with like it was the ghosts of Stan Musial and Ozzy Smith? <laughs> <laughs> like. You're not worthy, David. It, it was actually just Keith Hernandez saw him at at a fucking game. Was like, nah, you are not coming this <laughs> home. 
it is it is funny like i know that and i'm sorry quinn i know you guys were like excited for because those celebrations are fun and now especially in a really shitty year you could use that you could use that's a win. all you got no, no pun intended you could use a win and he was just like nah i'm good <laughs> <laughs> no thanks <laughs> and on that note let's get right into the voicemails our only voicemail this week is from diego hey guys this is uh diego um as a Padre fan they've been extremely disappointing start they're not completely out of it it's um they haven't lost a series since they went to the bronx which is a good thing they're about to they if they lose today or tomorrow in san francisco obviously that's a serious loss and we don't want that i will say that you know hopefully get in the wild card because arizona might be coming back down to earth san francisco's on the rise la got shellacked by san francisco this past weekend like really shellacked the potters just have to play better baseball i mean xander bogarts has had that wrist injury you know and you can tell it's harming him from the you know batting but i'm hoping for some good juju from here on out thank you so much bye-bye this has been such a weird season for so many teams that were projected to be really good yeah i mean i feel like a lot of these teams are probably gonna end up being fine because like we said before, there are still like almost a hundred games left. Right. To play. Yeah. It's it's early, even though it doesn't feel early. Because right. it's later, where it's like the teams that are usually like, oh my god, how cute! The Rangers and the Diamondbacks are in first place, adorable. Where it would be over by now, and the years passed. Now, because it's lasting, it seems like it's September, and they're still in first place. Right. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to the reality is, we're just starting misguided All Star conversations about. Anyway, um, it's gonna be weird All Star. It's gonna be weird. Oh God. Yeah. It's going to be like the worst all-star game of all time. It's going to be like fucking five Diamondbacks. Yeah. It's like, just like the, the large fan bases are just totally disinterested. They're like, I'm not voting for these fucking losers. All, all I could think of is like, you know, because I know Diego's going through similar to me, like, you know, high expectations with the team this year, and it's just not happening. And uh, I go back to Jeff Passan had a tweet, I think it was last week, where he said something to the effect of like, you know, as as poorly as things are going for the Mets and for the Padres, he mentioned them in the same sentence. He was like, you know, oh, but look at the Cardinals, blah, 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 blah. And then the Mets lose a series to the Cardinals. So I guess the Padres got one up, Diego. I don't even know what to do with that anymore. And I think the Padres are going to be okay. They're, they are eight games out of first place in their division, but they're right there in the hunt for the wild card, four games out. Bring me Soto. I know. I want Soto. I would take Soto, too. <laughs> I mean, I they have to fucking lock him up, right? Because they traded how, too how many could people you for not, him. Right? How you can't trade that many prospects? Like you're putting all your eggs in this basket, and that's fine. He's, I mean, he's fantastic. If and he's they young. don't, they're going to regret it when Fernando Tatis Jr. gets into his biannual or at least annual motorcycle accident. Right? There's at least one a year. <laughs> it, it draws a crowd. Everyone comes to watch. They're like he's on the motorcycle. <laughs> Just like like a marathon. Like crowds like lining the cliffs. Like oh that turned. Nope nope. Oh we'll get him next time. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to be fine. I think that um, the Diamondbacks probably will come back to earth a little bit. I mean, they do have right now the best pitcher in, in terms of FWAR in the league. Oh, Zach Gallen. Gallen. Yeah, Gallen's killing it. They have the top player in the league right now. With, you see uh, when they, they had the, you know, the uh, the Diamondbacks have those, uh, I'm going to butcher the word. It's like serpent, like in oh, Spanish. Yeah, yeah. You see Zach Gallen came out. He had like this custom like snakeskin belt, like monogrammed oh and shit. Like he's leaning into it and I love it. Dude, I love that That's shit. That's great. <laughs> was it a year or two ago where he threw like a no hitter or something, right? Was that him? Uh, that rings a bell. I just remember him facing the Mets a couple times or at least a time, if not two over the past couple of years and just like watching like, wow, this, this kid's good. 
Like, and I wonder, and I, I do not know shit about the Diamondbacks. Like the two players I just named, I couldn't name another. Oh, wait, no, I almost just said Paul Goldschmidt. He hasn't been on the Diamondbacks no, that- in a decade. <laughs> I like. No, couldn't- he's struggling elsewhere this year. Like we just talked about. <laughs> I like couldn't name another player. Catel uh, uh, Marte, and I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, it might be. So, I'm gonna sound like a big time, a big time fan. Oh, like, Luis Gonzalez. Oh, you, <laughs> no, you're a real fucking yeah. piece of work. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I almost want to be like, I wonder if they're going to be sellers or buyers. Do they have a young core that they're now going to try to build around? Or are they just going to be one of those teams that is never going to build shit and they're just going to have some great players and then get rid of them to just repeat the cycle like a pirates sort of situation? Right. And if they are... Can we please trade our worst prospects for Corbin say, Carroll can at the I, deadline? Can I borrow Zach Gallen for a couple seasons then? I mean, I, yeah, I see Corbin Carroll and I raise you uh, Willie Calhoun and Jake Bowers. <laughs> so yeah, Diego, your team's going to be fine. I'm not that concerned. The Dodgers are not that great either. So it's not like you have this huge mountain to climb. I think that um, the Padres and the Dodgers are sort of like in a similar situation in terms of their skill level. Mm-hmm. So and I and I do think that the Diamondbacks are going to help you guys both out by having a tough second half. I, I just hope that the the Padres, you know, regress positively back to the mean because then that gives me hope that maybe the Mets will too because I, I I don't know what else to do at this point. And Aaron Judge, if you're listening, baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. <laughs> Steve wrote some checks that I'm having trouble cashing here. But. <laughs> <laughs> that about wraps it up for Breaking Balls this week. We want to thank all of our callers. You guys are amazing. All of our caller, Diego specifically. Thanks, Diego. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun, feeling brassy? Give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. You can also find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. And we want to thank our amazing producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week.